If you're on the engine company and your primary mission is is putting that fire out, you're the primary line and that's what your mission is, then that needs to be your focus and you can't be sidetracked dragging the hose line all over the house trying to search for people or not advancing the hose line because you're searching for people. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. Enchanted Sky Studios in Prescott, Arizona. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategies, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. When you hear the term primary search, what comes to mind? Is it something an engine crew does while they're advancing the line? Or is it the, j- <clears throat> or is it the job of a truck crew? And if you're the first in engine at a structure fire, and you believe there might be victims inside, what's your priority? Today's guest says you might want to hash that out before the tones drop. Dave LeBlanc is a deputy chief with the Harwich, Massachusetts Fire Department. Dave started in the fire service back in 1986 as a call firefighter, with the Dennis Fire Department while he was still attending college. He's also been a volunteer with the Allentown and West Haven Fire Districts in West Haven. And Dave LeBlanc joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thanks for inviting me, Scott. Good to be here. I'm assuming that everybody knows what a primary search is, but I'm beginning to wonder if maybe that's not the case. So why don't you go ahead and define what a primary search is and what it is not? As as I was taught, and, you know, everybody's one of the things of the fire services, we all kind of have our own language, which isn't always a good thing. But, you know, the primary search is is a rapid search of the building, the areas that we can get to to look for victims. It's not a, a detailed examined search. That's what the secondary search is for. But we try to get to the most hazardous places uh, as quickly as possible and and make sure that they are free of of victims and in my experience you know that that's something that's easier said than done and it depends a lot of things you know factor into why that's easier said than done well let's start with a simple scenario let's say the first in engine has a crew of four two firefighters a captain and engineer we know what they're going to do if someone reports there are people trapped inside but what if no one tells them that? What should they do first? So, you know, that's the age-old question. The biggest impact that we have on everybody's survivability is putting water on the fire. And coming from a department that operates in that scenario frequently, our first thing in the absence of any report of a victim is going to be rapidly getting a hose line to the seat of the fire to put the fire out. In the process of doing that, we're going to search the spaces that we go through to get to the seat of the fire. 
So searching is something that we kind of all do, but it isn't the primary focus of that company. Where it becomes more difficult is when you pull up to that same scenario with the same manpower and you have a, a confirmed victim and you have a fire to put out. And then you have to kind of figure out which which is going to work better, which is going to do the the best thing for you. But ultimately, we got to put the fire out. And operating in a building without water on the fire is is a hazardous situation by all accounts. Would you say that most firefighters get enough training on how to do a primary search, or is it sort of left up to them to learn? That's hard for me to answer. You know, again, my experience is, is in my world, we, it's something that we certainly trained on uh, regularly, but I, did we train enough on it? Um, did we train in realistic conditions? Probably not, because those are hard to duplicate. You know, experience often um, gives us a better, uh, it enhances our abilities. And when we're doing less fires, it's, it, you have to kind of come up with ways to create that real world scenario in a training environment. So does everybody train on enough? I don't know. I know that, you know, there's every once in a while I'll, I'll teach a class or I'll be talking to somebody who's teaching a class where their firefighters are still doing the conga line where Everybody's holding on to each other as they're going around the room and trying to search. And that's not, in my mind, the most effective way to use your manpower. I think sometimes we we get hung up and, you know, you have to work with a partner that we don't realize that I can be four or five feet away from a guy across the room from a guy, another firefighter, and, and still in voice communication with them. And we're still safe, but we're more effective because we're searching that area a lot faster. So I, I think it's different for everybody, and I, I can't speak to what the fire service as a whole does. I know around here, again, it is something that we, that we do work on. Do we work on it enough? I, I, that's a, a good question. It sounds as though you would prefer to split people up and have them cover a little more ground. If that's the case, does one firefighter hang on to a hose line while the other one explores the room, or what, how would you do that? That's certainly one technique that, that works where you, you're, if you, know, you have your nozzle firefighter, your backup firefighter, while the nozzle firefighter's flowing water, can you know, do a hasty search of the area that he's around. It's like a reverse snow angel. Uh, Gary Lane, who uh, I'm friends with, you know, talks about it, calls it something else, but where you go, you'll go down in your belly and you flail your arms and your legs out and you reach out as far as you can go. And if you feel something that needs to be investigated, then you investigate it. You still primary mission is, is getting that hose line moved, but you're checking the area that you're going through on the way in. So that's, you know, an oriented type search where one guy stays in line, the other guy peels off. That's certainly a possibility. Another possibility is, you know, an officer with a camera stays in the hallway and five footers go off and do bedrooms off the hallway. You know, again, it's it's trying to get those people out of the smoke because the smoke is ultimately what kills them as quickly as possible while not exposing ourselves to any more risk than absolutely necessary. How important is coordination and how is it accomplished between companies when there's more than one company available for the scene? So, again... Uh, you know, like they say about all politics are local, all firefighters are local. <laughs> I, I work in a, a much different world than a lot of other places. Um, I know places where you have talked to friends that work for urban departments where the companies are landing on top of each other and they have a really good communication where they're letting them know if they're going above the fire, they're, they're letting the nozzle guy know or the first officer know, hey, we're going upstairs. So that firefighter knows he can't back out until those guys are accounted for. I work in a little bit smaller land where uh, 
my my personnel may show up in twos and threes, and sometimes they get cobbled together in the front yard and, and sent on a task that way. Our communication is more by radio, where other companies know what's going on because they're being assigned. You know, the the second new company or third new company is being assigned by the incident commander to go do a task, and everybody becomes aware of what's going on then. But the same holds true. You have to coordinate with those other companies, ventilation, fire attack, search, so that everybody knows what everybody's doing, number one, so that those tasks get accomplished, but two, you don't put those other firefighters in danger by stopping to do your task without making sure they're okay. You were talking about what you organize in the front yard how much of the search plan is developed in advance and how much is developed on the spot? So it depends. Again, it's it's a lot of this is situational dependent and in my world. And, and my world is my world. And I wouldn't try to tell somebody else how to fight their fires or, or search their buildings. I know that if we had a dedicated crew that, that, you know, a dedicated truck company, that they were their mission was primary search all the time, they would work out a routine of how they're going to do it. You go left, I go right, or you take this room, I'll take that room, whatever works for them. And if the more you can pre-plan ahead, the better off you're going to be. It's less communication that has to be required. Where we cobble together people on the front lawn and they're going to go do a primary search, it's still the same. You may just have to have a little more discussion as you're going to over the threshold or in the front lawn. Hey, we're going to go in. I'll take the first bedroom. You take the second bedroom. Or you go down the hall, I'll do here, or I'll hang here, and you go check down into the bedrooms. There needs to be that communication. It may just be more on the fly if you're not working with a dedicated company that you arrived on. So then in the real world, how well can an engine company that's dragging a hose line conduct a search? Are they going to be hampered and have to really wait for the truck guys to arrive? No, real world, I think that if if you're on the engine company and your primary mission is is putting that fire out, you're the primary line and that's what your mission is then that needs to be your focus and you can't be sidetracked dragging the hose line all over the house, trying to search for people or not advancing the hose line because you're searching for people. But if you have the hose line in place and it's operating and you have the ability to have one firefighter peel off that line and search the immediate area while staying within a reasonable distance of that, that nozzle or the, or the hose line, then that's that's a reasonable expectation. Is it going to be super effective? No, you can't do you can't do two things at once. You can't do two things well at once. We can't divide ourselves up. And and less manpower means that something is going to have to be delayed. So, does that mean it doesn't get done? No, it just doesn't get done as quickly as it might get done in others in other circumstances. When you hear the phrase over the radio, primary search is negative. How confident are you that there's nobody in that fire? I would say I'm fairly confident, but not, you know, the, the secondary search is going to be my ultimate, my ultimate telltale as to whether or not somebody's there, because I know we've had the opportunity under more controlled circumstances to really thoroughly search the building. But the primary search, I have, you know, you have a lot of confidence in the people that I work with. And if they tell me it's negative, I know that based on how a primary search is done, that they've tossed that room, that they've done a good job of checking the obvious places and they didn't find anybody. In the case of an unknown occupant, then I'm going to be pushing back with my police officers and neighbors and trying to find out where the homeowner might be to see if there's a, you know, if there's a reasonable expectation that the house would be empty. I'm still going to have that secondary search done. That's still the next thing that I'm thinking about. When I hear primary is negative, I'm going to say I'm going to feel better when the secondary is negative also. But 
it does give me a certain level of confidence. And I, I guess it would depend on the fire and the situation as to how much confidence when that when I hear those words. Well, right. We're talking about the difference between a single family dwelling and a commercial building. And I imagine that a commercial building, you're going to have a little less confidence unless you have a whole lot of people to check it in the primary search. Yeah. You know, yeah. Building type, you know, multi multifamily, uh, apartment building, something like that. Commercial building. They're all different and you need a lot more manpower to, you know, and, but those are going to be in chunks. You know, you may get primary search of the first floor is negative or primary search of the, of the office area is negative in a commercial building. You're going to get bits and pieces there, and at least you know you've got that part of the building covered, and you can focus on another area. In your experience, what is the condition of a victim found in the secondary search most of the time? I would say that it's that that's a very situational question. I don't know that I can give you a, a solid answer. My experience is not broad, vast, you know, it's, it's, it's not, we're not doing hundreds of fires a year. I would say that often the secondary search will find a victim that is, that is not a viable victim, but there are certainly cases where secondary search has produced a victim that, that is, you know, viable and not only viable, but recovers with no deficit. So I think it depends on the fire. It depends on the situation. It depends on the length of time between the primary and secondary. There's, there's a lot of variables that go into that to, to, be, to give you a clean answer. I don't know that I can, I can really do that. Well, and I suppose that part of the answer is dependent on how many people are able to do that primary search versus how many more people are able to do the secondary. And, and time. You know, time is the obviously the longer they're in the building exposed to the products of combustion the worse it is for them. So I wouldn't expect that somebody that's, you know, 10 minutes into a fire, even a one room fire, that if they're in that smoke condition for that long, that they're going to fare as well as somebody that's, you know, found in the first three or four minutes of the fire. What would you recommend as a way to make sure that firefighters are well trained for primary searches? I think that everything, you know, everything comes down to training and, and repetition and the more, opportunities you give yourself to train in realistic as realistic as you can create environments i think that we fall into some bad habits you know using a tool to search instead of using your hands and and trying to figure out what a victim feels like at the end of a of an axe handle versus using the axe handle maybe to stay oriented and feeling the victim with your hands realistic mannequins or props while you're searching i know some firefighters are training and they're actually using their own kids you know, they're not using it in a, in a fire environment. They're using a, a clean building and they're putting wax paper on their masks so they can't see, but using their own children. So they're actually finding a real victim and they get the idea of what it's like to try and search and carry a victim. Brian Olson has done a ton of work with that using his own kids. And also to not hurt the victim any worse with a pike pole or whatever. Yeah, that's and that's a valid point too. You know, if you're using that tool and you're swinging it around like a baseball bat, What's it going to do to the person when you hit them? You know, we're, we're not supposed to make them worse. We're supposed to make them better. So, you know, that's a, that's a valid thing. But again, it comes down to training. Uh, Ray McCormick's classic for saying it, you know, realistic, repetitive, and relevant. You know, those are the three R's of training. And the repetitive is, is key. You can, you can practice something once or you can practice something a bunch of times. And the more times you practice it, the more you're going to pick up, the more you're going to learn, the more comfortable you're going to be doing it. And, and you're going to get a better result at the end. All right, David LeBlanc, thanks for joining me on Code 3 today. 
All right, Scott, thanks for having me. And we put some more information on the primary search on our website at code3podcast.com slash primary. Check it out. Today we talked about planning for our primary search and what crews can do to make them more effective. What tips do you have? How do you conduct a primary search? Let me know. Email scott at code3podcast.com. I'll read some comments on a future show. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll be here too. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.